following sermon was preached at Christ Fellowship United Methodist Church in Northwest San Antonio on May 7, 2017. Am I the the only one who has prayed this prayer? Go something like this. Oh Lord, please let me win the lottery. I could do so much good if I were just a millionaire. Uh, Amen. (laughs) Now, if I won the lottery, uh, it would truly be be a, uh, a miracle because I've never actually bought a lottery ticket. Um, The whole United Methodist social principles against gambling, uh, frowning upon uh, gambling, and I I think the the lottery might fall into that category. And see, if if I won the lottery, uh, that might might cause a very uncomfortable conversation I'd have to have with our bishop. Um, However... If I brought along a check for 10% um, when I was called into his office, that might smooth things over just a little bit. Not that I've thought that much about winning the lottery as a pastor, but still, uh, as I think about 10, 10% to the church, and I'd be able to tout it as this miracle since I never bought a ticket. That would be two really great things, right? 10% going to the church, miracle, I never bought a ticket. But then I'd probably get a call from the lottery commission after having bragged about not ever buying a ticket, and they'd take away the winnings, and I would have written this hot check to the church. It would just be a mess. So, Lord, please don't let me win the lottery. I don't think I could deal with the hassle. Um, Here we are again this week talking about money again, talking about giving again. You know, it's, and I I mentioned this last week, this is a a short three-part sermon series on giving uh, based on Psalm 37, but uh, preaching on money and giving is just, it's not one of those things that I think most pastors enjoy, especially especially uh, at 9 o'clock. There were um, folks that, that were visiting the church for the first time. They said, oh, we're visiting the church for the first time, and you hit us with giving, uh, giving sermon. Well, it's important, but realize this isn't one of those uh, churches where every Sunday we're going to hammer you about you got to give to the church, but today we're going to hammer you a little bit. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Uh, today, uh, we're going to use Psalm 37 as, as part of the basis uh, for what we're going to talk about. Now, I'll, I'll jump around the scriptures a little bit more today uh, than last week. Uh, but, rem- but as we get started, let's remember a little bit about last week. Uh, one, of the, one of the verses that we uh, touched on uh, in English, remember, is, is uh, this verse is often translated, you heard it again today, commit your way to the Lord. We talked about, I think maybe a better translation of the original Hebrew is roll your journey upon the Lord. That's a little bit more literal and I think a little bit more meaningful in a lot of ways. Roll your journey upon the Lord. It won't be the last time you hear me say that. It just brings us, this thought of rolling our journey upon the Lord brings us in line with, uh, with Jesus. It brings us in line with the plans that God has for us. Last week, and we talked about uh, that everything we do 
we do, including sacrificial giving, we do in union with God. We're placing our trust in God, not, not our own ability to manipulate the world around us. And Jesus, if you remember, tells the story of the poor widow woman uh, who gave only a penny, only two copper coins um, is what she gave. And when she did, Jesus noticed that and called the disciples over. One, think about this. Jesus is sitting there watching what, what people are giving to the church. That's Jesus. Not me, but Jesus. So this woman gives two copper pennies to the church, uh, and, and Jesus calls his disciples over this little bit and says, this woman has given more than anyone else. She didn't give, bless you, she didn't give out of her abundance she gave everything that she had. Now, I looked up some statistics out of curiosity. I was looking up some statistics here, and of course, you know what they say about statistics. 98% of all statistics are made up. Come on now. Um, but these statistics I actually found in a few different places, uh, so they've got to be true, because one, I found them on the internet, and... <laughs> And I found them a couple of different places, and they source, uh, they, they use the IRS as their source. So all this has to be true, <laughs> but I, I think maybe there is something to it. Something uh, uh, over and over, what I was finding in this little bit of research that I did was that the poor actually tend to give a larger percentage of their income to charity than the rich do. Um, Something else I found interesting is that when the economy begins to tank, whenever the economy, or at least news of, of uh, the economy being bad, um, the wealthy often as a group start to pull back on their giving, uh, while the poor and the lower middle class tend to increase their giving during times of, of uh, hard economic times. Uh, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I'm not trying to say that uh, by any stretch of the imagination that poor people are good and wealthy people are wicked. Certainly, I'm not saying that. Um, but Jesus did say that it was uh, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get to heaven. Why would he say that? Why would he say that? It's not because rich people are bad, but I think there is that temptation when, when you do have wealth and possessions to begin to view those wealth and possessions as something uh, that, that, that mold your identity. You begin to put your trust there because often, not always, but often that's the temptation that, 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 that the rich become enamored with their riches. They begin to, to place their trust in their wealth or in their own ability to create wealth. And wealth becomes then a status symbol or possibly something that they use to identify themselves with. Trust is placed in themselves. Trust is placed in the stuff that they have. But we're called to put our trust in God. Verse uh, 3 and 4 of Psalm 37 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Take delight in the Lord. Remember, take delight in the Lord. We talked about that last week. Delight 
is the result of trusting in the Lord. But I don't want to rehash last week's sermon uh, over and over. This week, certainly I, I want us to guard against materialism, but even more so, I want us to, to, to see how giving is a spiritual discipline. You remember when Jesus sent his disciples out, he told them not to take anything with them. Told them, don't take uh, any money, don't take any food, don't take any clothes. You can wear what you've got, but don't take any extra. He wanted others to give. See, I think, I think that that's something that we have to recognize and realize here. When, when he sent the disciples out without anything, others will, he told them, others are going to need to welcome you. They're going to need to give you a place to stay. They're going to need to feed you. They're going to have to do all of those things for you. That's what Jesus wants. Now, why did he do that? Why did Jesus send those disciples out empty-handed? That's, that's kind of a question that I would have, especially thinking, gosh, sure would be a lot easier if you'd just have a little bag of money, Jesus, and send me out with that. I could get around maybe a little bit easier. So why, why is it that Jesus would send them out like that? Well, do you think it's that Jesus thought, you know, these disciples, they've had it pretty easy. They need to suffer a little bit. Maybe. You think Jesus, uh, did Jesus think that, that if they took nothing with them, uh, they would be able to travel light and go a little bit further and, and uh, all of that? Maybe so. You think Jesus uh, sent them out with nothing because he wanted them to trust in God? Not just in their checkbook? Yeah, I, I think so. But still, maybe, probably. But I also think a large part of it, a large part of sending Jesus out, or Jesus sending the disciples out without any of the money or, or food or anything like that is, is because he wanted the people that were hearing the gospel that the disciples were preaching, that, that were hearing this gospel message, that those folks needed to be able to have the opportunity to commit as well. The hearers of the gospel needed to be put in a position in which they could roll their journey upon the Lord. See, uh, it's one thing to hear a message, to hear this message, hear a sermon and say, yeah, you know, that was, that was some good stuff. I, I, I like this whole reason for our hope, this whole eternal life bit that they're talking about. I can get behind that. I really like it. That's one thing. But it's another thing to hear a message preached and then have to give in order to support the spread of that message. People had to actually buy into the gospel. Now, they, didn't, they weren't, you know, the disciples weren't charging <laughs> to hear the gospel. But once people heard the gospel, it was important that, that they buy into the gospel with their actions. That they put their faith to work. There's... This old battle, you know, you've probably heard about uh, between faith and works. Uh, see, if Jesus had sent the disciples out with a, with a suitcase and a credit card, the people hearing the gospel, yeah, they could have developed a, a faith based on what they heard. But by sending out the disciples, telling them to take nothing for their journey, that forced the hearers of the gospel to immediately begin to live out the gospel. 
Now remember what James said about faith. Faith is good, but without works, faith is a, is a dead faith. Faith alone now certainly is what's necessary for salvation, but faith, true faith, compels us to roll our journey upon the Lord, to act upon what we believe. Now, a major part of spiritual growth includes learning to commit everything to God. Real commitment is all about surrendering without hesitation for the higher good. That, and that includes uh, our possessions, our money. Remember in the Old Testament, people didn't just show up to God. <laughs> in the Old Testament, uh, you didn't just come before the Lord empty-handed. You brought something to offer. And Christians continued that in the New Testament, uh, giving of course, indicates where our heart is, as Jesus said. In the Old Testament, the old T, as I like to call it, uh, in the Old Testament, sacrifices weren't made because God needed another goat. No, sacrifices were made as a way for us to commit and be in relationship with God. That's putting it pretty simply, but that's, that's the basis, for, that's the why we need to make these offerings. It's an it's a, it's a opportunity for us to grow spiritually, to be in relationship with God. Jesus offered himself, of course, as the ultimate sacrifice that ensures a means of relationship with him. And as we offer our, our gifts to God, it's a mark of spiritual discipline. As we offer our gifts to God, it's a mark of spiritual maturity. We're stewards of what we have, not owners. So I'm not standing here as your pastor today saying, you need to give to the church because God's got some bills and you need to pony up. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you need to give to the church because we're starting a new building construction in the next couple of weeks and we've got to pay our contractor. I'm not saying that's why you need to give to the church. I'm not even saying the church needs to help the poor and oppressed, so you need to give money so that we can do that. I'm not even saying that. Now, all of those things are true. All of them are true. And maybe I will say those things another time. But what I want us to focus on right now, what I'm saying is, you need to give because it's good for you. God has structured things um, in a way that encourages a deeper relationship with God as you give. As we say in our, our Holy Communion liturgy, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. The Lord has not asked us to be passive about our faith. The Lord's called us to be in ministry with him, to hold nothing back. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Yes, giving is a blessing to the church, a blessing to the poor, 
Giving is a blessing to the oppressed. But don't underestimate the fact that God has arranged for your giving to be a blessing for you. God bless you. Join us at Christ Fellowship United Methodist Church for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Find us on the internet at cfumcsa.org or check us out on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Adios.